It was um, the spring of 1945, and uh, the Canadian forces had uh, been moving into Holland, going across Holland, trying to liberate Holland. And there was um, a troop or two, and I can't quite remember the, the final number, it was somewhere around 50, that uh, went into this village and they were trying to liberate the, the town. And uh, there was uh, a guy named Garnet Stewart, Garney Stewart, that was amongst that group. And um, after it was all said and done, after the battle was over, there was only two Canadians that came out of that village alive. Uh, one was, um, I'm sorry, no, there was, uh, there was wounded as well, but there was only two that came out intact. One was Garney, and he was driving a vehicle. The other one was my father, survived that, uh, that battle. He had already survived Juno Beach. Um, he had been spent a lot of time in Europe at that point, but uh, they came out, just the two of them. Now, he would never talk much about the military campaigns that he did. He continued on as a, as a, as a soldier, uh, career soldier, is in Korea. Actually, if you go into the uh, museum, the war museum, you'll find a picture of him. It's about the size of the wall behind us here. Him with a, running a brand gun uh, with another fellow from, actually from Carlton Place, and uh, on the wall there. But he was a career soldier. But again, it was difficult to get him to, because we didn't realize he was suffering from PTSD all our life. We just knew that he had some strange things going on. But, <laughs> but uh, the, memories are, the memories were there for the rest of his life. And so, you know, we, we remember, this is Remembrance Day tomorrow, we just remember those who had sacrificed and uh, died and gave, gave all they could for, for us. Amen? Yes. Amen. Well, Pastor Jordan spent several weeks talking about a, a firm foundation. So this is some of the, the foundational truths that we, uh, we are founded on at Word Church. And I'm just going to share a few highlights for you this morning of the messages that form the foundation of, of this church. I'm getting an echo here. Can we change that? Thank you. <laughs> Well, but before we can do that, I will need to share with you some of my religious background. Uh, it, it had an influence on what type of church we, we set up and, and how we structured it and so on. So I was actually born in a Catholic hospital, uh, although my family wasn't Catholic. I was a miracle baby. I was not, uh, I was not premature, but some of my internal organs were not quite, uh, they were underdeveloped. Uh, and as it was determined that I wasn't going to survive, the priest at this hospital decided I needed to get baptized. So um, I was baptized as a Catholic, by a Catholic priest. So this is the start of my religion. And uh, so anyway, as baptized, and uh, so my parents hadn't yet given me a name. And uh, so because you know, it was a dire moment and they, they needed to hurry this process along, um, they, they needed, they found some, infer, uh, some inspiration from, for a name for me from a bird that just happened to land on the hospital <laughs> ledge, window ledge. Now I know we all think we want our name to be named after a great ancestor or a, you know, there's some sort of great meaning in our name. Well, mine flew onto a window ledge. <laughs> but hey, it, it could have been worse.
Thank God turkeys don't fly. But it gets worse than that, too. I mean, thank God these things were extinct in the 1600s. But you know, uh, don't ever question where your name came from. You could have a story like me. Anyway, that was my Catholic start, start off as Catholic. I attended the Anglican church growing up, my, where my parents would send me, but not come with me most of the time. And uh, I was confirmed in the Anglican church. And if anyone here Anglican, been Anglican? All right. So I was confirmed in the Anglican church when I was about 12, 13 years of age. And that is basically, they believe that's the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and uh, however, when I finally did get filled with the Holy Ghost about 10 years later, uh, the experience was quite a bit different than what I experienced with the Anglicans. So moving on from the Anglican church, I got married in a united church. See, I'm, I'm all over the place when it comes to this religion. It was, it was Pastor Wendy's uh, church when she was growing up, and she had the same situation I had. She got sent, but never, parents never really went, right? And so we decided we are going to get married in the United Church, so that was my affiliation with the United Church. Got saved and uh, started attending a Pentecostal church. And uh, yeah, Joan, you remember this. Uh, and that church was, was interesting. It was... I find with the, with the Pentecostal churches, and maybe not that they're all not like this, but there's a lot of confession and, and recommitting, and, and I think it's because of sin consciousness or whatever, and there was a lot of sanctification through separation from the world, and, and there didn't seem to be a lot of grace involved there, but I don't think all the Pentecostal churches are like that, but the one I attended was. And so we moved on to a non-denominational church. Uh, where we did everything and anything. We were at the church every time the doors opened. We were, we were probably opening and closing the doors. Spent, uh, you know, uh, uh, a lot of time there not, in not knowing that God was grooming us for our destiny. And uh, so, uh, you know, we, uh, we spent 14 years there, and that was probably two years longer than God wanted us to stay. At that time, uh, God was wanting us to step out and answer the call on our lives. And it still took us, after the 14 years, three more years to obey God, and we, then we founded and we pastored Word Church, or which at that time was Word of Faith Fellowship. Actually, officially, it still is Word of Faith Fellowship, just Pastor Jordan's rebranding, <laughs> so, which is fine by me. Uh, and when God asked Pastor Winnie and I to pioneer a church that ended up being Word of Faith Fellowship 20 years ago, we, uh, we were reluctant to step out and to do what we were told to do, mainly because we've been, we've been close to the pastors in, in our previous churches, and uh, we didn't want any part of that. Uh, most, most people are afraid that God will ask them to be missionaries somewhere, living in a jungle somewhere, a remote place, whatever, and uh, uh, with no conveniences of life and all that. But, but our greatest fear was, was the call to pastoring, because dealing with the spiritual well-being of people, it's just that, that responsibility was heavy on us, but now we understand it was heavy on us because of the fact that that's what our calling was. It was a, a responsibility that God placed on us. We didn't see ourselves as qualified. We didn't see ourselves as ministry material. But we had so many confirmations, so many words of prophecy. Uh, so much of the miraculous happened that we, we would have been blatantly disobedient to the call in our lives if we didn't follow through. We would travel uh, for hours with the kids in tow. And they could testify to that, that they spent more time in a van driving to one meeting or another. Uh, and uh, so we could go to Word of Faith ministers and ministries and feed on the uncompromised uncom Word of God and seeing and being in the presence of miracles and 
the supernatural and, and watching the Holy Spirit in action, which was so cool. And Jessica, I'll never forget this. We, Jessica was just started, was dating Christopher at the time, and she, she comes from a Baptist background, and uh, Baptist-style background. And uh, we took her down to see a guy named David Horton. And you guys who knew Dave, who David Horton is, he is extreme. And I just spent most of that meeting watching her face as she had this shocked look on her face. And uh, boy, but you were never the same after that, were you? But that was what we did for several years, just, you know, just going to meetings like that, having a good time and, and, and so on. And, uh, but we couldn't go to any meetings without being called out. We would receive words of confirmation and uh, encouragement. People who didn't even know us would call us pastors, even before we were, pastors, we were officially pastors. Um, but, and um, that, was just, that was just God having uh, you know, strangers call those things that be not as though they were, just as they did, according to Romans 4.17. You know, it was just, it was spoken out there. So, uh, you know, for us to deny the call was, was, was very, very difficult. We had to go ahead, with this, go ahead with it. So Word of Faith Fellowship was started from scratch. And uh, I was trying to look around this morning to see who's here from the beginning days. Now, the, the DeVries are here, right? Um, and yeah, Garner back there. And uh, there's a bunch of others that would normally come, but they're not here today, uh, that uh, started out with this you know, almost 20 years ago, which, was, which is so cool. And uh, we've, see, we've seen a lot of people come and go over the years, but, uh, but it's a cool thing. We're still here. Amen? Amen? We're still doing what God told us to do. And we just passed it over to Jordan. And uh, so anyway, we, uh, we, we, we started from scratch. Uh, we did not take over an existing church. We, we, we are, we, our foundation was apostolic. We were told that, th- that things that should have taken us years took us mere months for us. Um, things that should have taken months took weeks. Uh, some things came to pass that just made our heads swim. Uh, you know, incorporation with the government and Industry Canada happened at a rec- in record time, and that is unheard of uh, with, when dealing with the government at any level. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Credentials, ordination, you name it, we saw the miraculous intervention uh, and the favor of God in everything. God was making up for time that we delayed. And uh, the theme of the ministry and our calling was finding your spiritual destiny. That has not changed. Because this is something that is, is in, in us forever. Amen? Finding your spiritual destiny. We had spent the, uh, the previous 20 years finding our spiritual destiny and knew that we had to ex- what we experienced in our spiritual walk uh, we needed to share with the church. And if you don't know your destiny, if you don't know your purpose, if you don't have a goal to shoot towards, you are without direction, uh, you're a target for the enemy. That's like no compass, no street signs, no maps. One more time around the mountain. A life without a, without a God purpose is a life unfulfilled. And that's why we're finding your spiritual destiny. Our experience up till then was seeing a church that was in survival mode, not thriving like it should, and that had to change. We knew that God had equipped and placed the church in a position of authority, but His children... We're not stepping up and being accountable for who they were truly were. And one of the most, uh, know, one of the must-know messages of our time is this. Believers' authority. So let's, let's take a look at God's original blueprint for mankind. Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, 
Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over. So man was made in the image and likeness of God with dominion and blessed by God, empowered to prosper. Amen? That was what God's design was for mankind. So let's look at what um, David says here in the Psalm 8. He said, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? You have made him a little lower than the, and now the Bible says angels, but the word there is Elohim, which is anywhere else in the Bible is translated God. So it reads like this, for you have been made a little lower than God. Now at the time um, when this was translated, the religious translators couldn't come to believe that we were second only to God, even the angels are beneath us in authority and in power and in placement. Now, it says in Hebrews 1.14, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Wow. Are they not all? See, I, I could, uh, we, we, ha- we all have angels that are watching over us. Boy, could I tell you about the encounters we've had with angels, encounters of the angelic kind. But I, but I need to go on. So another time, another story. And uh, Psalm 8 and 5 goes on to say, And you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands and have put all things under his feet. Wow. Whose feet? Your feet. My feet. That includes the angels under our feet. And here's something very important for you to understand. Satan and his demons are angels. They are fallen angels, but angels just the same. And God created us with dominion over them. And they are not crowned with glory and honor. You are. They do not have dominion over the works of God's hands. You have. God has put all things, has not put all things under the devil's feet. All things are under your feet. And after Adam lost his lordship, his mastery over the earth, Jesus took it back when he defeated death, hell, and the grave. And before he ascended to heaven, he rose from the grave and he said, all authority and power has been given unto me on earth. Go, therefore. Wow. Go, therefore. God created Adam, gave him dominion and authority on the earth. Adam falls in the garden and gives it to Satan. Jesus no sooner gets it back from Satan when he defeated him in hell and he gives it back to us and restores the right for us to rule and reign as God designed. 1 John 4, 4, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Greater than all sin. Greater than all sickness and disease. Greater than all poverty and lack. Greater than any fear, torment, and despair. Greater than any situations or circumstances that come your way. Greater than any attack of the enemy. Amen? Amen. 
you know, some of you know the story. There's a, there's a fella that we're friends with. His name is John Trotter, and he's a pastor of Apsley Community Church, down in Apsley, obviously. And um, uh, John was, had a, a wild background, uh, ends up getting saved, and uh, uh, there was a, he was in his house, and, uh, in his home apartment, wherever he was at the time, uh, and an old acquaintance, not a good old acquaintance, an old acquaintance showed up, and comes and John invites him into the house. He comes in, pulls out a gun, puts it in John's face, and says, I'm going to kill you. I'm here to do that right now. And John says, you can't kill me, because greater is he than me than he is in you. And the guy says, no, I'm here to kill you. I've got a gun. I'm going to shoot you. And John said, no, you can't, because greater is he than me than he's in the world and is in you. And uh, this went back and forth for a, while, for a little while, and finally John just got the guy saved, and that was the end of that. <laughs> You know, that is a child of God, ruling and reigning, standing in authority in his place, understanding who he is. And he hadn't been saved that long, but he, he knew the greater one was in him. Amen? Having authority comes with the responsibility of ruling and reigning. Deuteronomy says this, Deuteronomy 30, 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. I get to choose whether I live a life full of life and blessing or death and cursing. If I choose life and blessing, heaven and earth will back me up to fulfill that choice. If I choose death and cursing, heaven and earth will allow me that freedom of choice. This is where the church has been failing on recognizing the consequences of making wrong choices or not making choices at all because not making a choice is still a choice made. And if we understand that when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, and then it was after that he rose from the dead, sitting sitting on the right hand of the Father in heaven, Jesus had accomplished all things required of him, of the Father, for us. However, the church has not taken advantage of of their full redemption purchased by Jesus for us. So I, I found that the church needed to be to better understand what Jesus purchased for us. And so there is what's called the Pauline Revelation. It's obviously found in Paul's epistles. From the cross to the throne room was a three-day period that changed heaven, earth, and hell and eternity forever for everyone. It was the plan of God before the foundation of the world. It was the mystery hidden in plain sight in the Old Testament. It was written about, it was spoken about by the prophets, priests, and kings, and Satan had no idea because it says if he had known, speaking of Satan, if he had known, he would never have crucified the Lord of glory. That was one of his oops (laughs) sessions, and the devil's had a lot of those. He's had a lot of those. First one being he thought he could be b- bigger than God. That didn't go well for him. All right? And then he thought, I'm going to kill the Son of God and I'll get his, that, you know, I'll, I'll have him gone out of the way. That didn't happen either. <laughs> we must understand that um, what our identification with him is in his death, burial, and resurrection. It is, <coughs> excuse me, it's a foundation of the restoration of the believer's authority here on earth. And identification means our complete union with Him 
in his substitutionary sacrifice. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We died with Christ on the cross. We were buried with Christ. We suffered with Christ. We were made alive with Christ. We are now seated at the right hand of the Father with Christ. That is our identification with him. He was our substitutionary sacrifice. He became as, as we are, so we might become as He is. He was made sin to make us righteous. He was made weak that we could be strong. He suffered shame to give us glory. He went to hell in order to, get, to take us to heaven. He was condemned so we could be justified. He was cast out of the presence of God so we could be welcomed there. Come on, people. This is us. This is us. He carried our pain and sickness so we could be free from sickness, disease, and pain. I, I love this, this, this scripture in, the, in Young's, literal, uh, Young's literal translation. It says, Surely our sickness he had borne and our pains he had carried them. And then First Peter, Peter says it this way, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins that we having died to sins, that we having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Well, we're is past tense, so if you were healed, then you are healed. That was accomplished 2,000 years ago when Jesus bore those stripes on his body and he carried those pains and sicknesses to the, to the grave. That is your identification with him. You know, healing is not something you need to ask Jesus to do for you. He already did it for you. Healing is every Christian's redemptive right. You don't have to beg God for it. Identification. If you look in the epistles, you'll find words like in Him, in Christ, in the Lord, uh, by Christ, by Him. In the beloved, by whom, through Christ, and there's others. And you'll find, when you do that, you'll find who you are, what you are, and what you can do through Christ Jesus. It is there because of what happened from the cross to the throne room. You know, there's a, there's a small book at the back. It's called In Him. Help yourself to that. That is very, very helpful in understanding your identification, finding out who you are. Amen? They're on that back table back there. So help yourself with those at the end of the service. Now, that brings us to something a religious mind cannot comprehend, and it's all because of what Jesus accomplished in his death, burial, and resurrection. God has already done everything he's ever going to do for you. And about the devil. He's already done it. He's already done it. See, Religion wants to, you to come up with a plan, a certain prayer, a certain formula to, to receive what God's already done for you, to beg God to do something for you that He's already done. Amen? Amen? Jesus defeated Satan in His own backyard. 
And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them, openly triumphing over them in it. Well, that was one celebration I'd love to have been at. Amen. His victory over Satan was your victory. And now he said, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. See, we we have the name of Jesus. We have the blood of Jesus. We have the word of God. We have the spirit of God. Our weapons are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The Bible says that creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. That is you and I rising up, taking our place of authority, and ruling and reigning as the children of God that we are. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, God continues on with the plan. It said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing and heavenly places in Christ. I pray, there's a prayer in Ephesians, and it goes in both, I think, a couple of chapters worth of the prayer that I, that I say every morning for, for this church. Well, not for church, for myself, for the family, and everyone else, and so on. And it starts with this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us, wherein he hath bounded toward us in all wisdom and understanding. And I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You know how important that is? And how important that was for when we started this church off to understand that we needed revelation knowledge. We needed to know what the Spirit of God was saying to the church so we could make sure that we were fulfilling our calling in that very thing as in making sure that the people were, were looking after spiritually. And we would pray that all the time. Pray that all the time. Because we knew there was a power, there was an authority in those words and that God has blessed us. There is a path of blessing for you. It is found in the will of God for you as you journey to your destiny. Obedience is full of God's blessing because God wants you to succeed in all that you do. And that was a message which surprised the church because they couldn't comprehend that God wanted to bless them. And that was the biggest surprise to me. It was like, wow, we just need to talk about this. We just need to show what God has done that he's blessed us. There is favor in everything that you do that is related to his will for you. And it was God's plan from the beginning that he, then he's not changed his mind. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever that he wants to bless his people. When he instructed Adam to, according to his purpose, that Adam's purpose was, he said this, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Centuries later, we find Noah and his family had survived uh, the flood. That is a miracle of obedience to Noah's calling because he did what God said and built, built the ark and saved mankind. You know, the Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness, so you've got to believe that he was trying to get more, on that, uh, more people on that uh, boat than actually the eight people that showed up. He spent 100 years building and preaching. And you only got eight people. They were family. <laughs> Do you think he made them come? <laughs> Man. So my thoughts on this was, I don't want anybody to miss the boat. I don't want anybody to miss the boat. That's why it was easy to preach and to do the pastoring and to, to, to fulfill the calling, because I don't want anybody to miss the boat. I want everybody to come. Amen? Amen. It's not just because I have a phobia about drowning, but. 
There won't be a flood the next time there'll be fire. So after the flood, we see that God's intention towards mankind never changed. Because he said, so God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Same thing. Maybe after everybody messed up, God would have changed his mind. No, same thing. So God, he blessed him to be fruitful and fill the earth. Along comes Abram in Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord has said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless, wow, still doing it. Make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I killed it. It's dead. <laughs> Thank you. You need to be thankful to Pastor Jordan for this technology. Because in the earlier days, I'd say, get out your Bible. And everybody, everybody brought a Bible to church in those days. And uh, they'd have to flip through, and I'd have to pause and wait for them to get to that place. Sometimes I wouldn't wait, I'd just keep going. Amen? Along comes Abram and uh, says, And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Oh, glory. That includes you. Hallelujah. God's still doing it. God pronounces Abraham as blessed. And if we look at the end of Abraham's life, we find this. Now, Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. In all things. What does that not include? It includes being blessed in everything. God is faithful. That's how God looks at you, blessed. He told Israel that if they obeyed him, blessed shall they be in the city and blessed shall they be in the country. Blessed shall be their basket and their kneading bowl. Blessed shall be them when they come in and blessed when they go out. I mean, that doesn't leave you any time to not be blessed, right? You're either in or out. You're blessed either side, right? Country, city, either place. Blessing's still there. And the Lord will command his blessings on you in your storehouses and all which you set your hand to do. And when I saw that, when I got a revelation into that scripture, I thought, I'm going to open up several bank accounts. So I did, because it says storehouses. So I want, God's going to bless my storehouses. I want several. Amen? Back in, the, back in that day, the storehouses was a barn or whatever else, and, you know, God, whatever. And if you had more than one barn, you were doing pretty good, right? So I learned early, open up a few bank accounts. Start, let God bless them all. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. So, the word says in Isaiah 119, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Anyone that followed after God was blessed for it. That is still the same today. Partnering with God is always a good deal. Amen? You know... <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just going down memory lane. And, uh, and as the people came to Word of Faith Fellowship and as we were preaching these messages and so on and so forth, I would see mouths drop open and, and people just trying to comprehend that God's a good God. And see, that's one of the, 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 the needed messages of the time was too. Good God, bad devil. And people couldn't comprehend that because a lot of people thought God and the devil were working together. The bad things that came into your life, God, let the devil do it to teach you something. 
And it's like, no, 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 no. God does not need the devil. He's got his word. You got the word. Amen? You can learn from that. Amen? Got the spirit of God, you can learn from him. Amen? He's your helper. Amen? Amen? Had, had a strange concept of the God-devil relationship. Amen? Thought sickness came from, you know, came from God got you sick, so he teach you something. It's like, where was God going to get sickness? He doesn't have any, right? The only time he had it was when Jesus took it on himself, and he took it to the grave. So, I mean, he didn't rise up with sickness and disease, did he? Amen. He's sitting in the right hand of the Father. Has you got any sickness and disease to give out? Heaven ain't got any for you. Amen. And then, of course, you've got the Lord's Prayer, amen? Right? In heaven as in earth. <laughs> What's heaven like? Anyway, we wouldn't or couldn't be a faith church without knowing something about faith. So the Bible says, but without faith it's impossible to please Him. Um, it also says in Romans, the just shall live by faith. Faith is easy. It's taken religion to make it a mystery, to make it difficult, to say you have to work for it. You know, you use faith to get saved, and it's as simple as believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Receiving by faith for anything else is just the same. Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Yeah, so faith to be saved came by somebody preaching the gospel and the person that heard the good news made a confession unto salvation. They spoke out what they believed. So we all have faith that is the faith of Jesus, according to Galatians 2.20. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God. That should be faith of the Son of God. It should be King James Version. Faith of the Son of God. Jesus explains how to use your faith in Mark 11.22. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. The proper translation for that is, have the God kind of faith. That's what Jesus said. Have the God kind of faith. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Wow. He'll have whatever he says. If we interpret what Jesus is saying here, we can find that he, he said believing once, but he said, says three times. Now, that is not a formula. It just puts the emphasis on the importance of what we say in regards to how we use our faith. Speaking forth what you believe is how you release your faith. This is you ha- how you have the God kind of faith. And I've already read out of Genesis where we, we were made in the image and likeness of God. Everything that was created was created by faith. The world was created by faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. And in Genesis, we see God releasing his faith, and this is how he did it. He said, then God said, then there was light. Then God said, then there was the firmament. Then God said, then there was water and land. Then God said, then there was day and night, and so on and so on. That's how God does faith. Psalm 148.5 says, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, he spoke. He said, and they were created. Now, seeing we 
we are made like God, it works the same for us. We are like God. We are speaking spirits. The confession of our mouths is how we release our faith. And in times past, we've been called the name it and name it and claim it bunch or the blab it and grab it gang. And, but that's all right. They call Jesus worse. The religious folk will always criticize that which they don't understand, just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees did in Jesus' day. The word is very clear on the relationship of your faith and your confession. It is the word of God in your mouth that gets results. And if you want to live by faith, you need to talk your faith. Third chapter of James is all about the tongue and its influence, both good and bad. And it says, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. Wow. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. That tells me that we are the prophets of our own life, and we can pronounce blessing on ourselves and others as we choose life and blessing. And just the same, we can pronounce cursing on ourselves and others as we choose death and cursing. We've got to understand something here. You know, if, if, you're, if you're a parent, what you say to your children is very important. How you say it to your children. How you raise them. How, how you pronounce things over them. Is it positive? Is it negative? Is it blessing? Is it cursing? Is it life? Is it death? And so on. You know, we can say things out of anger and so on and so forth, but be quick to repent and say, hey, you know, I'm sorry. This is, I didn't mean to say what I said. That's not what I mean. I mean, I mean to speak out, I want blessings to proceed from my mouth. I want life to proceed from my mouth. Proverbs says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. It's an important aspect of, of our walk. It's an important aspect of our place of authority. As a believer's authority, it's a very important thing. And you'll find here that we have several confessions that we speak out, whether it's we, what we believe here at Word Church. Um, there is the, the seed, you know, this is my seed offering. There is, as I tithe and give offerings, confession. Again, it's your chance to release your faith and speak blessing over yourselves as you are obedient to the Word. Amen? Okay, that was just a few of, our, of the truths of the, the foundation of the Word Church. There's, there's so many more. There's, you know, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's speaking in tongues. There's the healing. There's prosperity. There's, there's just so many things that you can't cover in just one Sunday. You probably need a, several years to do it. I'm not preaching for the next few years, so. So stay tuned as Pastor Jordan continues to build on that foundation and builds faith and blessing in your lives as he brings us the uncompromised word of God every Sunday. Amen? Amen? You're going to feed on that. You're going to grow on that. You'll get faith. Get revelation knowledge. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. So I would be amiss if I didn't give you who are out there in internet land to uh, the opportunity to um, come and be part of the kingdom of God. Um, and so as I mentioned earlier, if uh, all you have to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. Just call on the name of Jesus. And if you've done that, uh, you know, we would love for you to get in contact with us. Contact wordchurch.ca. Uh, we'd like to get some resources into your hand, maybe direct you to a church, good church in your area. And uh, we just want you to be blessed. Amen? Amen. Amen. How are we doing? Good. All right. Amen. So I'm all done. Happy Remembrance Day. Amen. God bless you.
Okay. Are you looking for one in particular? Nope. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to go to that. Or that. One of those, but it's okay. Don't have to.